Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Hello and welcome once again to this podcast. It's so good to have you with us. We are going to continue today to look at the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation at the beginning of the revelation that was given to the Apostle John. And I'm doing this with the conviction that I believe that in these days that we are in, that Jesus is very clearly and intentionally wanting to speak to his church through what we are experiencing. Not that God hasn't always been speaking to his church or doesn't want to speak to his church always, but that more that he uses specific situations, circumstances, and trials and tribulations to speak definitively and clearly and to get our attention. And I believe that the Lord is doing that in these days, that there is, uh, this is, this has been allowed, this has been brought to us, and the Lord is doing it to shape us and to mold us and to move his church in a new direction and a new sphere. And so, we're looking at these letters with the conviction that God speaks through his word to us now, that the words that were written to these churches in the first century have power and purpose for us now, that God is uh, speaking through his living and active word, and that he also is speaking to us in our individual contexts, uh, both as individuals, but also as churches through these words. And he's using these words through the power of his Holy Spirit to speak to us and to move us and to align us, to bring us into alignment with his kingdom and to move us onto his agenda and to further the work of his kingdom and all that he has purposed for us to do. And one of the things you've probably heard me saying it recently, but uh, we've been praying this and talking with this, that, that we want to embrace everything that God wants for us in these days, that all of his plans and all of his purposes, we want them to be fully accomplished in us. And so in that, there's an embracing of what God has for us. There's an embracing of this time to really seek the Lord and to not get distracted, but to be seeking first his kingdom above all things and uh, to be uh, looking at our, our hearts and our emotions and all the things that we're uh, battling and wading through and, and walking through and going, God, what are you wanting to say to me in these days? And so we come to this letter to the church in Smyrna uh, at the beginning of Revelation 2, right after the letter to the church in Ephesus. And so I want to read these words. Uh, it's not, not that many verses at all. It's just a few verses, uh, three verses in all. And, and then we're going to unpack them a little bit and talk about the impact of what Jesus is saying here to this, uh, this church. And so he begins and says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna writes, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. So three succinct verses, but there is a lot here for us to grapple with, for us to pray through, for us to ponder in these days. So Jesus, he's presented here as the first and the last, the one who's over all things, who came before all things, who is after all things, who is in the midst of all things. He just everything, he is over all things and all things are contained in him. And it says, who died and came to life again. Now that that is a significant statement and we go, well, yeah, of course we know that. But for the church in Smyrna, those would have been very poignant uh, words that immediately would have gotten their attention because the background of Smyrna is that 700 years prior, the, the city had been destroyed, leveled, only to be resurrected. And at the time that this is written, it rivaled Ephesus for its beauty. It was an incredible city. But unlike Ephesus, this city has actually survived, and today it's known as Izmir, one of the largest cities in Turkey uh, to this day. And, and unlike Ephesus, there is no rebuke or warning given to this church. There's only comfort and exhortation to stand faithful in the face of heavy persecution. Now, we are prone in our culture. We are prone as human beings. We are certainly prone to this in the West. This is part of, of our cultural DNA, if you will, to seek and pursue comfort, to seek and pursue the easy life, the good life, the comfortable life, the affluent life, the successful life, to surround ourselves with things and experiences and security that will keep us safe and will keep us encased against anything that would harm us. And so this is one of the reasons, and this is nothing new. I think that we're all feeling this and, and we're coming to grips with this is why COVID and, and the loss of control, the loss of security, the loss of safety, uh, the loss of so many things is uh, is so difficult for us because it goes against the very nature of how we have been um, bred and how, how we have been shaped in our, by our culture to to believe what, what we should expect. And, and so if we read these verses... And this is a church that uh, is not that at all. You know, in some ways, what we have lived in for the majority of our time in Canada and what we have really up to this day continue to live in, um, really when you look at it, is is not anything like what Smyrna is going through. And so what we learn of this church here is that they they have affliction, they are in affliction and they are in poverty. Jesus says, I know of them. Like he says, I'm aware of your afflictions. I'm aware of your poverty. And then, he, and then he says such an incredible words. He says, yet you are rich. Like the level of care, the level of love for these people and those words, saying, I, I see what you're going through and yet you're rich. But he says that we, we see that there's slander and oppression that they're going through from the religious people of the day, the Jews who didn't like the upheaval that the Jewish Christians were causing, and and you know following this this Jesus who they're claiming to be the Messiah, and they're and they're 
uh, surrendering their lives and giving their lives for him and and this you know we don't we don't know all the instances of what were happening in the city but there was strife because they were not following the the religious norms of the day for Jewish people and so this is this wasn't something light that was happening in fact Jesus says that that the the synagogue there that the people there that the way that they're oppressing them and treating them and the slander that they're going through he says they're they're not they're not a synagogue of, of mine. They're not a synagogue of Yahweh. They're a synagogue of, of Satan. They're, they've actually embraced the slanderer, Satan himself. And so this is this is what the church is going through. And, and he says, not only that, Jesus says, actually impending suffering is coming. And, and he says, Satan is going to do this and it's going to be allowed. God is allowing this to happen. And so it's Satan's action but it's God's intention for them as people. And he says that this suffering, it will, it will, have, uh, it will be for a period of time, but there, there will be an end. Uh, and this is, you know, this is something that's really encouraging in, in the sense that, well, yes, encouraging, but, but it gives us context and it gives us perspective. Is that, um, no, you know, nowhere does the New Testament promise freedom from suffering in this life? In fact, it's it's part of, it's woven into the entire New Testament. And so, yes, Satan is being allowed to do this. Uh, but but if there's a lesson to, to see and, and to learn here is that while suffering is certain, the other certainty that we have is that it's limited because God is in control. Satan is being allowed to do this, but God is in final control. And so that's that's one of the reasons why Jesus ad- um, identifies himself the way he does, as the one who has died but came to life again, because he's saying is like, he's, he's making the connection like their city. I also, I've died and I've come back, I've come back to life like this city. And he's guaranteeing for them that in the midst of what they're going through, look at this city and what's happened. And like that, and because of who I am, there is a resurrection for you too that's coming. And and oh, but but it's not going to be easy. And that's what Jesus doesn't um, shrink back from that. He doesn't try to soothe it over. He doesn't try to tell them uh, something that isn't true. In fact, he says, this, this is what you're going to have to go through. But he says, be faithful. Now, to what extent does he call them to faithfulness? He says, to the point of death. But he says, a crown awaits you. The crown that is put on the head of the righteous, it awaits you for those of you who stand firm to the end, for those who, those of you who do not give in to the fear, but remain faithful. And, and he says, to those who overcome, there is, a, there is no fear of the second death. So what, what Jesus is referring to there is he's not referring to the death, the physical death that we all die, that all of us have to face the physical death, but the second death, which for those who reject him will mean eternal separation from God. And he's saying, if you remain faithful, he, he, you have an ear to hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. And he's saying, don't, don't be overcome. Those who overcome will have no fear. And so, in the midst of what we are walking through right now, really, in light of what we're reading here, th- this is 
we, we don't not know what suffering and persecution is like, like these people walk through, but we can see where things are headed in the Western world, where oppression, resistance to the way of Jesus, where um, there there is things coming where we are very potentially going to be oppressed and where it's going to be much more difficult to follow the way of Jesus. And so when you put that up against this propensity that we have to to shield ourselves and to seek and pursue comfort where the easy life and the good life and the comfortable life and the affluent life and the successful life will in the future very potentially, and I would say almost most certainly, only be attainable ultimately if you are willing to reject Christ. If you are willing to say, that isn't all that important to me. Following the way of Jesus is not the trajectory of my life. Actually, my pursuit of my comfort and my safety is more important than that. And that's where we are hitting in our culture right now. And that's where I think that these words are so incredibly crucial for us to wrestle with. Because at what point, is there a point where you would say, I don't know that I'm willing to be faithful anymore? I, there, there's, and, and, and that's something that we will know in our hearts that if, if we're doing something where we're like, you know what, there, there may come a time where actually, you know what, that, that's too far for me. And, and what is, to what extent does Jesus call this church? To what extent does he call us to faithfulness? And he says, to the point of death. That there, there is, there is no side exit. Like, well, you know, if it gets to this point, you know, you can exit out, and and it's okay because I understand that's No, there, there's faithfulness to the way of Jesus means that we are pursuing Him at all costs. There, there is no plan B. There is no side exit. There is no looking um, to to pursue the easy life or the good life or the comfortable life at the cost of our faith and of our passion and our commitment to the way of Jesus, which is very possibly going to put those two things in direct opposition to one another. Do you want the comfortable life? Do you want the good life? Okay. But are you willing to actually deny Jesus? Are you willing to, in a way, maybe become a quote-unquote religious person, but your heart is not burning for Jesus. Your heart, you're, you're not actually, you don't see yourself as advancing the kingdom of God or, or that that's even important or, or being on mission for the kingdom of heaven on this earth and, and, and being a disciple who is following the way of Jesus no matter what. And so this is where these words are absolutely essential for us to grapple with as we are on the cusp of potentially and I and I again I would say most certainly in the days to come we are on the cusp of things that are going to be remarkably different in the west for those who are not going to compromise to the way of Jesus and I'm not going to give predictions on when that is or 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 that sort of thing timelines what I'm saying is that even right now to follow unashamedly the way of Jesus and to live missionally and to live boldly in that and to and to want to live in that there is already costs in our culture and those are only increasing
And so are we willing to embrace suffering? And, and, and the words of Jesus here are clear. Be willing to embrace suffering. You're going to have to be willing to lose. You're going to have to be willing to suffer. You're going to have to be willing to, uh, to have to survive and, and to have to overcome persecution. You're going to have to be willing to remain steadfast in the midst of that. And so, but we're called to be faithful because Jesus is the way. So, so part of this, it really comes back to some very, the very simple truth of the gospel. Do we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Do we believe that in him is all the fullness of life? Do we believe that, that he holds all the keys of death and and the grave? Do we believe that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not just a savior that we can rely on and cling to when it's, when it's good or when it's favorable to us, but he's the Lord of all things, period. And so anything that comes against the Lordship of Jesus has to be met with resistance in our lives. These are weighty words, and because uh, as I've said, and I'm going to leave us with this, we have to grapple with this and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, let us have ears to hear what you're saying to us in these days. Would you solidify us? Would you make us steadfast? Would you secure us in Jesus for the days ahead? And I believe that you know, the, the encouragement in this is that Jesus, he sees what we're going through. He will comfort us. He will speak life and truth to us. And he will remind us of what is to come, that there is an eternity to come for those who persevere, for those who overcome and those who remain faithful above all things. Bless you folks as you wrestle with this, but also receive the encouragement and the love and the care of Jesus in these days. We so badly, badly need it. We'll see you again, Lord willing, as we look to the next letter the next time and to the church in Pergamon. Until then. <laughs>